Hello and welcome to the 25th episode of the Pleb, fourth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. It's over, Banjo. It is finally over. The you hell are not going to have to watch Melbourne lose again for the entire year. I can actually enjoy football again. I can relax and just watch footy and not stress about how shit my team is. But like the only way it could have ended, Banjo, was a battle between my team and your team. Either you would have flogged us by 100 points or it would have ended in the devastating circumstances. Yeah, you, you, to give you credit, you said that before the game, we'll either get flogged or we'll lose in a devastating manner. And Alex Neil Bullen made absolute sure that you lost in a devastating manner. It, it, was, it actually was quite devastating, though, wasn't it? Because like, it did feel like we were in control of the game by the yeah, end of it. I it was felt like we were probably going to do the it. hell out of you. And I thought completely uh, without any without any tact, without any likelihood of it coming off. I thought you were going to win because we did not show up. <laughs> yeah, and then it was the there was just the snap out of the blue and then we're behind and then we have another chance to tie it up and uh, it's over. Yeah, good but good my, riddance 2019. But my day went downhill from there watching Jeremy Cameron with yeah, the Colin. So, so pro- uh, we both, I think we were, I think I actually might have been more upset yeah. with football. I think <laughs> when, when, our, when our heads hit the pillow, despite the fact we were both quite drunk, when our heads hit the pillow on Saturday yeah, I night, I, I had, reckon I was a bit happier I than you. I had enough alcohol going through my head that there was <laughs> Didn't no, matter, okay. nothing going through my head. Okay, what about waking up the next morning? Then I reckon I woke up with a bit more of a spring in my step than you did. Yeah. Yeah, which Although is quite I do, funny. Have a, I do have a very successful tactic of ignoring everything that makes me angry when it comes to sport. So, uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Ben Brown to, won the Coleman. You didn't seem to be ignoring it on Saturday night, Banjo. No, I, I seem to be I very do, real to you. I do have a theory on this, though. Given Jared Ruffhead is a replacement-level player and is not going to kick a goal in a normal game of football, and he kicks six... Jeremy Cameron should have six goals taken off him as the handicap for getting to play the Gold Coast in the last round of the season. What do you think of that? It is quite sad for uh, the Gold Coast. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, it was just, let's try and get this guy yeah. as many goals. And they let it happen. Mm. Like, it is, it's quite, it's actually quite yeah. sad. At least Melbourne were like making it very difficult for Brown to get near the ball. You were knocking Well, him. the snowman was on him. Of course we were making it difficult. Yeah, that's my point. He was yeah. like bumping him, really getting into him, making his life miserable, whereas Gold Coast didn't do any of that. Yeah, I think it was completely proven that Sam Frost is a better player than Ben Brown. He, he won the matchup and therefore he's better. Agreed? No. I don't know why he wasn't in the All-Australian squad, Sam Frost, to be honest with you. But anyway, Banjo. I, th- I think if you listen to yourself speak <laughs> during a normal period of time, you would know. <laughs> no, no. He's had a good year, old Frosty. He's, he's probably... What, do you got three best players? I would say he's our biggest positive out of the year. in terms More than of track. what. Yes. Yes. In terms of what we expected to how they performed, yes. I would say that okay. Frost has been the biggest, biggest surprise, biggest you know positive. what we should do, though? Get to go, Jacket Green Jacket, because we have a period of time where we're going to talk about our game and let's not be too self-indulgent. Yeah, and the first game is at GWS Gold Coast as well, <laughs> which we've already talked about. But all right, Banjo, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The oh, title of the segment... Oh, I thought you were going to skip nope, it. Nope, nope, nope. The title comes from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. And we give votes for the uh, top three most meaningless games of the round, Banjo. One vote, as I just said before, GWS defeated Gold Coast by 72 points. A completely and utterly irrelevant game If it weren't for Jeremy Cameron I can't believe this Oh yeah It's it's Jeremy Cameron is the only reason This isn't three votes right Yeah yeah. Yeah. It got got quite a lot for that 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 made a bit of a story out of it And yeah no There there was Yeah that that just made a little bit A little bit of enjoyment And it was probably my favourite result Of the uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> of the week, Ben. I hate you so much. Our, uh, our, our Saturday night was quite enjoyable, wasn't it? Every time he kicked a goal, I would stand up and high five every person in the bar celebrating that Jeremy Dammers kicked another. I didn't look at you for the entire game. I actively <laughs> turned my back to What you. about when he kicked three in about 30 seconds in the third quarter? Just when you, you were probably just starting to sit a bit comfortably. You thought you were fine. And then it was literally, he kicked three he in a minute. seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it made me happy, man. Fucking Jeremy Cameron. And you know what's worse? This is the first time all year I haven't enjoyed a good performance of his because I'm out of fantasy finals. And yeah, yeah exactly right. You've been celebrating Ooh. him all year. But uh, yeah, that's all we care about out of that game. Let's move on nice and quickly, <laughs> Banjo. Two votes. Sydney defeated St Kilda by 45 points. This was a game as well who would be a fair chance to get the three ordinarily, but he did get a bit of points for, you know, Buddy's 300. Couple of retirements. It was one of those games which... It didn't really mean a lot, but it was no. a bit of fun. It was a good, it was a feel-good game for Swan supporters. They got a good performance out of Buddy in his 300th, and they got like the McVeigh goal and the yep. Jack goal, and those were those were nice moments. Yeah, did you hear that? Apparently, it was Josh Kennedy who told Jack to go forward I without did not, any. But I find that hilarious. Yeah, without <laughs> any guidance from Horse. Like what I heard on the radio, and I don't know how much. Mayo's been put on this, but I hear that apparently someone on the boundary line yelled out to, like someone in the crowd yelled yeah. out to Kennedy, can you get Jack a goal? And then he ran out on and told Jack to go forward and then he kicked a goal oh, quite I shortly hope that's afterwards. True. I hope so. It would be quite a good story. Jack looks so happy when he kicked that goal too. That was just like a moment, like why you love football when you see people have moments like that. Yeah, I think since he's uh, retired in Melbourne, we've got more of a a grip on how well loved he was in Sydney and how yeah. big he's been for New South Wales uh, football. He's not. an underrated influence on that club. I think. Yeah, he I, was I a think very you're right. good player. He made an All Australian, I think, didn't he? Or best at Ferries. He was captain. Yeah, for quite a possibly. He was really good for about three or four years. Yeah. He started out as a tagger, had this really linear pro- progression, which was quite a story for their development. And yeah, he was just blood and soul type player that really. After they had that Kirk era leave, really picked up the mantle and sort of allowed them to continue on that legacy really comfortably. And now it's on to the next generation to do it. And I mean, I don't really see the people there yet that are going to do that. So I'm interested to see who'll stand up. Yeah, I think you've largely been more positive than I've been about Sydney throughout the course of this year. Marginally, about, I wouldn't about say their, I'm super positive on them. About their future, yeah. I, I don't see a heap there. I think they need to do quite a bit of aggressive trading or rebuild and to, to be able to move forward there. I, I've been really impressed with Heaney's back half of the year. Um, but he's the one person there I'm like sure is a gun out of oh, that. Yeah, he and is. If Papley's leaving as well, like... Hopefully to North. It's just, like, yeah, I, I don't see much else there. And you know what my opinion on Blakey is, so... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get too much into that. Uh, St. Kilda, they're blowing Ratton's chances to uh, get the job. They lost to Carlton and Sydney, two of the worst four teams in the competition. You're going quite hard against Ratton, from what I've noticed. You're not keen on him at all. I just don't think he's performed anywhere near... Nearly as well as Teague or Reece Short did. Like, no, but I he's think... He's being but, lumped in in the same manner, and I know he's got more credits in the bank than either of them had like by a long way. But he's do- he doesn't seem to have turned that club around, and it just seems weird that he's having the same fate accompli uh, sort of rhetoric around him that the other two did. I, I don't think he is. I, I still think with Ratten, it's going to be, he's going to go through the process. They're going to interview quite a lot of people. Yeah. But I, I think he's done a good enough job that it, it, it would elevate him just slightly more in his chances. Yeah, I, like, I don't think he's done himself any harm. I just don't think he's yeah. 
Which you, you made just, himself a certainty, so you, which is the way I feel like people are talking about him. Yeah, I just you can't compare him to what Teague and Shaw have done because they they have gone so far beyond what anyone would have expected yeah. out of a caretaker coach from the actual normal expectation out of a caretaker coach. He's done a he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, I saw um, someone did a piece. Uh, I think it was just after Brad Scott got sacked about because you know how there's that mythos that you win your first game as a caretaker coach, you get the bounce back. And someone yes. did a thing saying whether or not that's true. <laughs> and the outcome was, yes, it's generally more true than how they normally perform. So they'll, well, you'll win about 50% of the games after you've sacked your yeah. coach. And normally when you sack your coach, you're shit. Yeah, so, so that's, but then that's after good. that, you go back to about a 23% winning margin. Yeah. And yeah. then so Teague has won more than he's lost, hasn't he? I think so, yeah. And I so think is just, Reece yeah. Shaw. So they've yeah. performed miles over that expectation. Yeah. And then... Ratten's probably done. Yeah, he's probably done an admirable job. He just he hasn't blown the house down like the other two have. It's just it's just been a real weird year with all the caretaker coaches yeah. and how they've just become such big stories. Although David Hale didn't do as well. No, but I don't think David Hale was ever really given much of a chance. No, to, uh, one week. <laughs> yeah, one week well, as well. Let's as get I, to it. He was never expected to be uh, to be the big dog. But yes, yes, let's get to it. Three votes, Banjo. We're giving Port Adelaide defeat of Fremantle by forty three points. So to those teams, we say. Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives this shit? Yeah, we buried the lead a little bit there. <laughs> Probably could have made that transition a little more smoother. But yeah, Port just really blew it the week before, didn't they? That's just what this game shows. When there's a, a Twilight game, it's <laughs> like... We've had a lot of real good Twilight mm. games this year where it's... it's like, probably been, on average, the best game of the round more often than any other slot. Yeah, which, like, during those weekends, it feels like a thing of your... The weekend's kind of bubbling along and mm. you kind of have an eye to that game, being like, yeah. I'm really interested to see that, and then you're enjoying to have no that as kind of a bookend. all in this game. <laughs> yeah, when there's a crap one, it gets buried even further. Because everyone just kind of... is after Brisbane or Richmond, like, yeah. everyone takes, like, a deep breath. All right, we know what finals are going to be. It's like, oh, yeah, there's another game of footy on. And then... You know, it's saying a lot. These are your two favourite non-Melbourne teams. Yes. And you could not care less about this yes, result. but I'm, I don't think even their fans would particularly care. I suppose the no. Port Adelaide fans might have had a bit of fun uh, at home, just watching them win by quite a bit. They quite a lot of goals kicked. They would have liked to have a better week than last week, I think. they. It would have been about bouncing back a little bit for them, even though finals had been ruled out. Yeah. I think for them it would have been like, oh, yeah, a bit of a smile on your face watching the game. But for Frio supporters, like, yeah, you've got a sacked coach. This means absolutely nothing. Just move on for next year, just like the Ds are. So Yeah, well, should we move on as well? Then? I absolutely think we should, Banjo. Okay, now we're moving on to everybody's favourite segment, the Cane Corns Call of the Week, where we look at a call made by the media, examine it, make pick it apart, and then make one ourselves. It's a little outlandish just to keep ourselves humble. Got a good one this week, We Banjo. do have a good one. So Ben Dixon... Uh, I feel like he's not his first time. Yeah, he's been in once before earlier yeah. this year. Um, and I think he might have been in past years as well. He he does have to look for a big call every now and then to get his name out because he's not the champion in most of the other media, play, the ex-players. No, so he's, no. he's got to fight and claw his way to the top of the media pile. And uh, this week he said, after the Sunday game between Brisbane and Richmond, Brisbane are now a lock for the Premiership. The team that lost by five goals very comprehensively, is now a lock for the Premiership. Look, I, I've already tried interrogating you a little bit on this off-pod banjo, but I haven't it's actually unbelievable. listened like, to it's this. Fair. Like, where, one, where was he speaking? What, 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 what's his platform? Two... So, speaking on Fox footy. Two, what was his basis for that? How did he actually explain it? And how, how clearly did he say a lock 
Like, was that... verbatim said a lock for the Premiership. And so, on what basis? On the basis that they are the form team of the competition. After watching Sunday? Yes. Did anyone question him on this? Everybody questioned him on this. <laughs> every, who was part it of was this David thing? King, Dermot Brereton, and Kelly Underwood, I think. Okay. And, and did, they all were like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, it's like when the Bulldogs lost to blah, 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 a week out from finals, and... Uh, Richmond lost to blah 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 a week out from finals. It's the exact same thing. So so he so he doubled down on it after he doubled even down getting... on it. He completely one hundred percent like this is a belief, not a not an off the cuff thing that's that is stupid <laughs> he, in retrospect. He is a funny one, Dixon, because as you were saying before, he doesn't have much of a platform to make a big call, but no. he does occasionally make these really dumb things and it kinda gets buried. No one really cares about them because it's just for Ben Dixon. But Fox footy? I don't think so. No, he does a bit of um the uh uh, betting agency stuff. I think he does yeah, like yeah. for Crown Bet or something. And then, yeah, he pops around on Fox Footy as a boundary rider and stuff. But, like, he needs to realize just get your job done. Just be, do your boundary riding stuff. Like, he, you don't, he doesn't have a big or enough platform to be calls. a Kane Corns. Or like, at least make good calls. Yes. But, like, Kane doesn't make good calls, but he has enough of sort of a platform there and he says it in a clear enough way that it does manage to draw a headline. Yeah, which... but, like, Kane Corns is also building off a much higher base. Than... Yeah, that's fair. He's a better I... player, which helps, yeah. yes. I think Ben Dixon, a lot of the reason he behaves the way he does is trying to find a platform. Yeah. He's trying to give him, keep himself relevant because if he becomes irrelevant, he'll get sacked. Yeah, I haven't seen enough of him to know whether he is a self-aware Kane Corns when it comes to his nuffiness. He is saying or... Kilda's goal-kicking coach and they are the worst goal-kicking side of the competition. <laughs> so I think that might yeah. be a black mark against him. <laughs> yeah, that'd be right. He, he did come across as an idiot on the recruit as well. It's just another, another aside did on that. did not watch the recruit. <laughs> it was not great. I gotta say, you watching the recruit might be the nuffiest thing you've ever I watched done. the first season. I didn't watch the second one. Well, I watched bits of it. A slight on-topic about the recruit the Brisbane Lions have tried to keep Matt Eagles on their list as a category B rookie even though his time is up on it which I find amusing is there any reason why they could is there any no, grounds for that no they just don't want to have to give him a real spot but like him enough to keep him on the list <laughs> <laughs> that does sound about right well, they should be rejected then Yeah. anyway my Kane Corns or your Kane Corns I'm going first am I uh, this is a player I have Last week I criticised. Oh, both doing player related ones. Yeah, last week I was really keen on criticising Blakey because he's been annoying me. Another mm-hmm. player who's been annoying me, not so much in the sense that it's not the I, way he plays. Yeah, I don't dislike this bloke, but there's a real sort of Mason Cox narrative going around him. But my, my call is looking at his stats. Sava Radaglia is half the player that Mason Cox is. That is not a very good player. That is the 101st best player in the competition. Yeah. Well, 102nd. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've said that, or you've said that Mason Cox isn't in the top 20 for key forwards in the competition. Correctly which, said. I think after interrogating you closely on that, I think we both agree that he's about the 19th, wasn't that? That is where absolutely we sat on not true. I gave you 26 names. You complained <laughs> about think, three I of think them. he was about 19th or 20th. So if, <laughs> if Sava Radical is half as good, I want to tell you he's around the 40th best key forward in the competition where most teams... So assuming Don't even every, have that many key yeah, forwards. Assuming everybody plays at least two key forwards, you think he's the worst? Yes, yes. I think, no, he is legitimately extremely average as a so footballer. So is he the worst, like, best 22 key forward? Probably. Probably. Like, I can't think of anything. Yeah, he is worse than guys like McStay, isn't he? Yeah. The thing, so look, once a game, there will be a pack and he'll mm. have a really big athletic worse than leap. Tim O'Brien. I reckon he probably is, to be yeah, honest with you. I would, want, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would want to interrogate that. But yeah. 
my inkling is you might be right. Well, once a game, he'll do some real athletic thing where he'll launch at it and take a nice mark. And we'll be like, and when he takes a nice mark, it looks unstoppable because his hands are so sure when he takes It'll a mark. It'll be, what a great story. What an important player he is for this team. There'll be all this rattling on about it, just like they do with Mason Cox. And then you look at his stats and you realise that that's his first disposal for the game and there is zero chance of him touching it again for the rest of the game. He does it every week. It he- is, you know why? It's because they're the other, like... It's because they're a little bit different yes. and they want to sell it, like they yes. focus on them. If it was just an average backstory AFL player. Surely he's touch and go getting a game. Like I know he's the second ruck and that gives him some value. Mm. He's not terrible as a second ruck. He does okay there. I would legitimately but just make him their ruckman. It's not like their ruckman are good. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. My version of it would be to say that he's a better ruckman than Tim English, but a worse key forward than Mason Cox, and I feel very comfortable saying that. He's a better, that. better ruckman than English. Better yeah, tap probably. ruckman. <laughs> better tap ruckman. Yeah, uh, no, he probably is. He's not too bad as a ruckman. No. That's a forward. Goes nowhere he's near. Thick. Okay, mine. Mine is a bold call. Tim Taranto is overrated. Why? You love Taranto, don't you? Aren't I do. You a I just Taranto fan. Where'd this come from? I just think he's closer to Brad Crouch than he is one of the best players in the competition. Brad Crouch or Matt Crouch? Brad. You're saying? Like I don't think he's I don't think he's particularly special in any one facet. And I think there's a ceiling on how good he can be. I think he's very good quickly, but I don't think he's going to get much better. And I don't put him in the same stratosphere as a lot of the young midfielders potential-wise. I think he's just very good, and he'll always be a. An A grader, but he'll never be an A plus grader. And I think the way people talk about him is like they expect him to be the best player in the competition one day. No, I don't think people have been saying that. Like I, people call him the best young midfielder in the competition. I, I think my issue with your call is more based on you thinking what other people's expectations are. Like, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you in the sense that he's not he's not a superstar. Well, when I watch when I watch him play, I, it's like. I, I don't notice him a heap or think he stands out. Or mm. There's not a lot of wow factor. But you kind of realise as the season goes on that every week he contributes and he's good in every sort of area of the yeah, game. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think he, we looked at it before. He averages, I think, six and a half tackles, which is really important. He, he, he gets involved in score chains and all of that. So mm. he, he's consistently important. But... Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't see the wow factor or the superstar factor. But I don't think people are quite saying that with him, are yeah, they? They absolutely are. He's, it's his third year or something. People just assume he's going to be the best player in it, or at I, least I, one of the best. I haven't heard that. I, I haven't heard. Who's been saying that? I'm, people. I don't have the I, name. I've heard he's you. a good. Yeah, like, I, I've heard plenty of he is a good mid, good young midfielder. But I haven't heard he's going to be one of the all-time greats or anything I'm not like saying that. All-time greats, but like the compare. He's, Talked about in the same way we used to talk about Crips or used to talk about... Is he? Yes. I don't think he is. I, I haven't heard that as much. I don't know. No. We probably listen to different media platforms. We definitely do. They uh, don't talk about him on SCN a lot. This <laughs> is what you've realised out of this discussion. They don't talk about non-Victorian players a lot. But I, I think looking at our running sheet, we'll probably be talking about him a little bit later yes, again. So might, we should, He might come up later. Uh, later anyway, let's move much. back into the games. Collingwood defeated Essendon by 11 points. It's a pretty good performance by a very tanky uh, Essendon lineup. They withdrew a lot of players before this game, I think trying to engineer a result, and it did not work. Yeah, it was. it's one of those games which when you saw it a few weeks out, you looked at it and thought, gee, Collingwood-Essendon, what a big game. And then even heading in, you think it probably should be a 
big game. But when it all was said and done, mm. I don't think Eston are going to really care about what the result was. As you say, they no. had a lot of players out, probably resting. I th- yeah, I think a lot of them could have played if it was the final. Yes, yeah, exactly. But you get three weeks off. Exactly right. So, so for them, it wasn't an absolute, we have to win this game. Mm. Collingwood... As well, they'd be happy. They like they needed to get the win to be top four, so it was important in that sense. But I don't think we need to draw too much out of their form on the basis of the game either. No, it was a reasonably high quality game. Which yeah, is it wasn't good a bad game yeah. because both teams' form had been patchy, and Collingwood's found. I think they've won four in a row now, but it had been beating up on bad teams. And Essendon, we know how up and down they've been. So, it probably both sides got what they wanted out of it, except Essendon now have to go to the West Coast, which I don't think they thought they were going to have to do. Yeah, Essendon are going to get utterly slaughtered in that first final, aren't mm. they? I, I think they will get absolutely annihilated. So, for them, it's... Uh... Yeah, Matthew Lloyd gave them a chance, but I think we all know why he gave them a chance. Yeah, although he's generally pretty hard on Essendon, but... The, thing, the one argument you can make is Essendon's best is really good and yeah. really tough to stop. So if they play their absolute best, but I, I, I just can't see them forcing their way through a West Coast no. defence. They're so well set up, West Coast. Yeah, West the, Coast, especially if Nick Nat's back. I can, ju- I can just see them eating them up, yeah. just utterly destroying them. Well, what about, what about Collingwood? I, I, I've been pretty negative on them for a little while now. I'm I, still negative on them. Yeah, but... They, they feel like there's every chance that they've, they've just kind of fallen into a, a position where they could yeah, go so they've pretty put far. Yeah, themselves in the position. I don't think... And they've got a pretty nice draw getting Collingwood, uh, getting Geelong at their Exactly, exactly. But I don't know. I just think Richmond are so far ahead of everybody. I don't really think there is another contender now that West Coast aren't in the four. Yeah, I agree with you. But you generally do think of... Look, if, they, if someone can make it to the grand final, then that's interesting. Shot, yeah. And Collingwood... Collingwood could absolutely beat you along in that first yeah. final. They'll have some players back. They could win that. And then, as I say, they're in the box seat and they'll probably get a few more players back from injury because mm. that's, that's about a month down the track. Um, they've, without being convincing in the last few games, they've done enough to get themselves in this position where they yeah. could have a fair run. And they've been able to find some form by playing very bad teams. and like Just enough form is what they yeah. found, yeah. So that will be fascinating to watch, but yeah, I still don't... I'm not... I'm not ready to have the expectations I had of them going into the year. No, no, I'm definitely not at that level. Definitely not that level. Yeah. The, the main headline coming out of this game was injuries and stuff. Except it looks like the only real injuries that are coming out of it. Darcy Moore is very... He's probably not going to play, His I think. body is just such a disappointment. <laughs> it's all like, little stuff too. Yeah, like, it's it, always a soft tissue. Yeah, and, and, and it'll always be really innocuous. It'll mm. just be, it'll just run off and be holding his hammy a bit and then I'll be like, oh yeah, he's out for another five weeks. It's Yeah, it always is three more weeks than it should be on the sidelines because you have to be so careful with him and then yep. it still doesn't matter. But anyway, let's move on. North defeated Melbourne by five points in the game of the round, obviously. Uh, Battle of the Plebs. You've now only beat, seen Melbourne beat North one time in 13 years while we've known each other. How does that make you feel? Well, I said this a few times. I'm just quite chuffed about the fact that I can say one now for most of our <laughs> friendship. It's been zero, so I'm still just happy to have got that one last year, to be honest with you, Banjo. Look, wasn't That's the, so depressing. <laughs> so, I mean, it shows how different our attitude towards football has been in the way that we address this game. I was quite happy, to be honest. I thought it was the most competitive I've seen Melbourne for quite a long time. It was really chuffed with and it. You thought the it was the lowest standard of game you've, you've <laughs> ever seen, didn't you? Yeah. If that was a good performance from you, I 
I really sympathise with you more. Your ball use, especially in the second quarter, where you just kept kicking it to Sam Durden, who's not a great intercept defender at all, and just the, you just kept putting it down our throats, and that just must be so hard to watch over and over again. I, I think what I'd say about that, the, the, our this game was more how we were early in the year when we didn't seem to be that far off it. it yeah. Was, okay. Our effort was all right around the contest. We were all you right. You smashed us in the middle. We, we 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 had like moments where like the patterns looked all right, but we were just butchering it. And then we were missing our chances going inside fifty. We were missing our shots on goal. And then you know we just weren't able to really get a good enough lead. Like that 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 that's how it felt. It was more what it was earlier in the year, which the last month we've got to that point, but we've just been utterly smashed off the park. So it was pleased not to see that because that's probably what I was expecting out of the game to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so you won 18 more clearances and that was a lot of where your drive came from. You really, you had the game on your terms for a lot of it and North had to counter-attack and that was kind of the pattern of the game and we were very lucky your boy is so bad. (laughs) It is absolutely horrendous. Uh, So how much better is Maxwell Gorn than Todd Goldstein? Are you happy to admit that he is a far, far superior Ruckman now? No, absolutely not. Did you see his stats? Did you see Todd Goldstein's greatest rucking season of all time in 2015? <laughs> I did, yes. Yeah. Maxwell, then so you should know that Maxwell Gorn will never hit that peak. Maxwell, 26 disposals. I think it was 40-odd hit-outs and three goals. I don't know why you're so happy with the second-best ruckman in the competition. I just think you would want to aim higher. Nah, he's the best, mate. He's still the best, old Maxwell. Mate, give, <laughs> give him the All-Australian gong, I reckon. <laughs> Surely. Of course you reckon. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. But how good was Higgins' goal? Let's talk about that. Eight oh. Melbourne players on three North players. You all get sucked in, and Higgins just swoops in. Yeah, never seen that before. A bunch of Melbourne players getting sucked <laughs> into the ball and then having the opposition have about five I players really on the perimeter already. I really hope you get a wingman because your lack of a wingman just cripples you. Because <laughs> we have so many players who are just obsessed with playing the ball. And That's just... got to be coaching, doesn't it? Like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We've had such a focus on contested ball for mm. so long that they, that's just like yeah, we've got contested ball players who are told contested ball is everything. Yeah, so they all just get sucked into it. But good thing we solved it by getting K. Collagazny last year. Yeah, he would not go anywhere some good near outside players. Ball, so that does really balance you out. <laughs> nah, it's all right. Ed Langdon, he'll he'll add. Hopefully Brad Hill as well, and then we'll have some good outside players. Uh, we'll have a good balanced midfield. And- Brad Hill's not even in the All Australian squad of forty. Why would you want him? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Geelong defeated Carlton by 68 points. First bad performance under Teague for Carlton, and Geelong looked like they're running into some form. Yeah, this was a little bit gold jacket, green jackety, but I just think the fact it that Geelong was. are a highly relevant team who do appear to have built a bit of form. So it's their not- last three weeks, they smashed North, were better than Brisbane for three and a half quarters, and then yes. smashed Carlton. North and Carlton haven't been bad. The last half of the year. They haven't been good, but they haven't been bad. And Brisbane are the second best team in it and probably one of the hardest two or three road trips. That is pretty good form. Yeah, it's the sort of form that's not that easy to to judge, I yeah. think. Because, yeah, as you say, there have been a couple of teams and they did smash them, but a couple of teams they should have beaten. Then they did lose the in-between game. So they haven't yeah. been like... Super convincing. But on the other hand, I think they are playing some quite good footy. They're defensively absolutely on point now. Yeah, and that's been consistent. That's a year, like multiple years long trend. So yes. I think that's something we can bank on without worrying about it, even and when that, they're out of form. And that when they were out of form, that didn't really drop no. off. They, they just weren't scoring. Yeah. 
Which, yeah, they've managed to get that back into it a little bit. They're getting lots of goals out of midfielders. Like, Dangerfield's kicking a lot of goals at the moment. Kicked um, four on the weekend. Ablett spent quite a bit of time in the midfield this week, and he's kicking goals, obviously. So they're, they're finding different avenues to go. They're not relying on Hawkins. Hawkins didn't kick any. No, and Hawkins, even when he's even when he is kicking goals, he's also giving off a lot of goals. He's had 25 goal assists or something like that, which is a fair effort. That's one a game. And it just it goes to show how they spread their attack around because even their main focal point is getting high enough up the, up the ground to really spread it around himself as well. Yeah, that the Geelong Collingwood final, which we have coming, which will have ninety thousand at the G, and it'll be, be really, really good to watch. But it does to me feel like a game where there's two teams who just haven't quite been convincing, and one of them is going to stumble into a preliminary final, home prelim, and I'm not going to feel like either one of them will one hundred percent be favourite. When that prelim rolls around. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, that, 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 yeah, they're both the same in the sense that they've, yeah, it feels like they've kind of fallen into this position mm. where they could be in a grand final. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I suppose you have to be a little bit convinced by them. Yeah, I'm more yeah. convinced by Geelong, but I have been all season than you are, so that's no real surprise. Yes, but a lot of people did get quite negative on them for a while now. They but did. They, again, similar to what we said to Collingwood, they found just enough form to get where they need to be. Yes, so shall we move on? I think so, Banjo. Let's get to our top five. And the All-Australian squad of 40 was released today. And we think it's important to recognise the snubs. Do we like to be contrarians? Absolutely. And this is a perfect vehicle for us. So we're going to name our top five snubs from the All-Australian squad of 40. Take us away. Well, yeah, well, I have to say, we, we do, Banjo. We do like being contrarians. But yeah, it's actually a pretty good I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with the list, to be honest. I was trying... I was actually scraping the barrel trying to find people so that I think did deserve to be in there. one thing very well. No Bombers players. That's what I like to see. I, I do like that as well, although I have one in my <laughs> snubs list. But the, to me, there's only one player I'm very strong and very passionate that he should have made it and think he's very stiff not to, which is my number one. The other four, I'm a bit like, I, I can see why they didn't make it. I'm passionate about my top two, but one of those is very biased. <laughs> well, you see, you'll uh, know what I'm saying when you see where I start, Banjo, because number five, I'm giving a Tom Lynch. And <laughs> you know that I've not been very convinced by him. No, not at all. Throughout the year. I've said on quite a few occasions, I don't, He's kicking goals, but I actually don't think he's playing all that well. And he's not doing much around the ground. He was comprehensively beaten by Harris Andrews again on the weekend. That's true. He wasn't great on the weekend, but I, I still feel like his influence has grown throughout the course That's of very the season. True. He's been a lot better in the second half of the year. And it's been good that since Revolts came back, he's still been contributing very, very well. Yeah, but I think that's a better signs for Richmond than it is saying Tom Lynch deserves to be All-Australian. Yeah, no, but still, the, the, the fear about Tom Lynch was this thing of, he's always been the number one forward. Is he going to be able to handle sharing a forward line with someone? And... Throughout most of the year, he was still the number one forward. And yeah. since someone's come back, so, he's been able to play a good enough team role that they're able to work I around think each there other. Are, there are four key forwards in the squad. Cameron, obviously, Coleman medal winner, will definitely make this cut. Then the other yep. three are Brown, who kicked 10 more goals. So he should be ahead of Brown, you'd think. 10 or 11 more goals with pretty much identical stats outside of that. Uh, <laughs> then <laughs> In a better team, though, so he should make it. No, opposite. He kicked more goals as the main focal point. No, but Lynch is contributing to winning games, Banjo. Or he's contributing <laughs> less than his teammates are. Who are the other two? Uh, Tom Hawkins, who does a lot more work up the ground than... Yeah, they would have kicked about the same amount of goals. Yeah, I think Lynch kicked one more. They were even going yep. in. And then Darling, who I think he kicked one more or one less than as well. Yeah. So I think Darling is the contentious one between the two of them. Would you have, have him ahead of Darling? 
No. <laughs> to be honest, I think they've done a really yeah. good job. And I don't actually think he should be in there. But he's the fifth most unlucky, even though he probably shouldn't have been in. But anyway, what's your five, uh, Zach Williams. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought he had a fantastic year. But the part of it that has me conflicted and kind of doesn't believe he should be in it, most of when he was fantastic was in the midfield replacing. Yeah, Sort of the same as Toby Green when he moved uh, into the midfield with when they had all their injuries at GWS. And his time in the in the back line was good without being great and given he'd be making the side as a defender how much can you really consider it but he did average 24 touches provides a bucket load of run is really creative and i really like the guy so i put him in and also i didn't want to include vloston so wait, wait, would you have put him off half back is that where you would have put him if you oh, yeah, were I making don't think a team put him in as a midfielder no i don't think he can either so i and suppose he could go in as one of those like he was good as yeah, he was good as a midfielder, yeah. but you can argue that he's half back. Normally, they, he has res- normally they reserve that for a half forward, but yeah, in this case, they could have done it with Zach yeah, Williams. Yeah, I mean, look, he averaged twenty four and a half disposals, which yeah. is quite a bit for someone who, as you say, played back on for a fair bit of the year, and he is a Probably damaging two thirds as a defender. He's a damaging midfielder when he gets it, so yeah. not your worst one. I, I wouldn't have put him in. A myself, lot of it was I like the player. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, my four. I'm, I'm not happy about this either. But you looked at his stats, and I guess you had to put, you had to say he was a bit stiff. Zach Merritt. Uh, yeah, I can't get on board this. I think I think he's averaged about twenty eight and a half touches. He just doesn't do that much. He's been the, the ball. he's been the best player for a team who finished in the top eight. So yeah. you feel like they deserve to have one nomination in there. It probably would have been him, if anyone. But I agree. I don't find... He, he's quite quick, which helps, but yeah, his ball use bit, isn't great. His ball use is fine when he doesn't have to penetrate. But when he's asked to really extend yeah. the kick, it just... He doesn't have it because he's a small guy and just yeah, doesn't have the length on the kick. Yeah, he, he can be a neat kick at times. Yeah. But yeah, he's not a super damaging player. But no, and I, I like the guy, but I don't think he's been an all-Australian level midfielder. I th- Yeah, he would have been like... I'd, I'd like to be in the squad of 40, but I don't think he'd be absolutely devastated. I, I don't think he quite deserved it. No. My number four, Daniel Rich. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of this is I think he's better performed than a couple of the... Defenders that made it. I think he's done better than Shepard, and I've forgotten who the other one I said was a while ago when we had this discussion. Yeah, I just think his ball use is immaculate. He had a really solid year defensively as well, and yeah, he provided so much run rebound in a good side. I'm quite surprised he didn't make it because he, this was by far and away his best season. He had a good narrative around him, and. Yeah, I'm sort of also surprised guys like Shepard did make it ahead of him. Yeah, he is a bit different to Shepard. Shepard, he does get a Haynes bit of rebound. Ball. Yeah, 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 Haynes. Yeah, I was surprised about Haynes. But I think for both of them, they, they get a little bit of rebound ball, but they're more defensive players than Rich is. Rich is clearly there just to be an offensive yeah. player off halfback. But you have to say, like, Fagan has found the, the key to making Rich the player, which we yeah. hoped he would be for most of his career. We He's, talked about this a little bit when we went to the... Yeah game last Sunday he just I reckon he would have been this good if he played in a good side all the time because he is a guy you can funnel the ball to and then just get a massive bonus in the outcome of your attack he just is so he's a really good decision maker on top of being an excellent kick yep and I think that combination is quite rare and it's just nice to see him be able to have the freedom 
to do it and not have all these gross expectation weighing him down, which he had for the majority of his first part of his career. Yeah, well, when we say merit isn't a damaging kick, uh, Daniel Rich would be the complete polar opposite. Yeah. He is one of the more damaging kicks you'll, like you'll see. like Hearn and Jetta. But yeah, he's had issues consistently getting himself involved in the game throughout his career. But now he's in a role when they, he doesn't really have to worry about it because they just feed the ball to him yeah. and then he can just use his strengths. And so... He has had a very, very good year, Banjo. That's fair enough. He's not in my list. Uh, my three, I've got Floston at number three, Banjo. Yeah, I don't disagree with it. I yeah. put Williams ahead of Floston just to have a point of just, difference. Just to have something different. He is stiff, but there's so many Richmond players I don't want any more in. The, the only argument I would have against having him in is this thing of it seems whoever you put in that role for Richmond does a very, very good job there. They just yeah. have such a great system. Like, obviously, he's been Rams for so long. And then this year, it's Floston and come. Grimes sharing it a bit. Yeah, yeah. He really sort of comes to the fore with it. But he's... um. He's just really solid is the thing. When the ball's yeah. in the vicinity, he always holds the mark and he's not going to miss the kick. You can just absolutely rely on him to get the job done. He doesn't fuck up, yeah. which is such a good quality to have in a defender. Yeah, and in he that role, also yeah. does, like, he's incredibly courageous. He's yeah, so hard at it and he'll yes. make, the, make the really big play and big effort play to stop the goal. He's just, he's everything you want in a general defender, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think... He, with the ones you said before, I think I would happily have him in the squad ahead of Shepard and ahead of Haynes. Yeah. He has been better than them. So, yeah, he is a bit stiff. Yeah, he's yeah legitimately stiff. My number three, and this is entirely uh, together with my Kane Corns point, I've got Jacob yeah. Popper. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just follow up with that by saying my two is uh, Taranto. Yeah, so <laughs> part of the reason I think Taranto's overrated is because I'd rather have Hopper. I think Hopper has more tricks and is more damaging and is better in the contest and all that put together he gets a little bit less of the ball but i don't care so banjo when we we were having a bit of this argument before the pod Mm -hmm. uh which it's not an argument i'm super passionate about but i think taranto is a little bit better than hopper but basically i I don't think he's much better than taranto i just would rather we we got this uh comparisons up of their stats and it was pretty much taranto is a little bit better in most areas i suppose hopper's a bit more contested better on the inside taranto spreads better can you admit that really you just like hopper more and therefore you just wanted to put him in ahead of Taranto? Oh no, that's a hundred percent what this is. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not trying to be. So it's uh, always not, all... not trying to be transparent about this. So it's all subjectivity. <laughs> you just you just like him a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think he's more damaging and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I, I think Tarant out of the midfielders you missed out, apart from who my number one is, but he's a different sort of midfielder. Yeah. yeah. Um, Taranto would be the most stiff, so I, I have him at number two there. But it is bloody hard to get in as a midfielder. It's always just ridiculous how so good you have to be. so much harder than any other position. Yeah. There's like five good halfback flankers in the league. There's five good small forwards, five good key forwards, 40 different good midfielders at least. You need to just occasionally play in a different position on the ground and then you get yeah. yourself a chance. You need to, yeah. <laughs> you need to spend <laughs> to, a little time on the wing or yeah, something like that. To fit in in a, in a weird spot. But uh, yeah, so he was my two Tarantos. What's your two? Robbie Tarrant. Absolute travesty. <laughs> he does not deserve didn't to lose, be Didn't lose, didn't get outmarked in a one-on-one contest all year. I reckon about two months into the year, you were telling me how he's having an absolute stink. You said you think he's cooked. You said that at this po- at one point this year. Yeah, and then he turned it around and proved me that wrong. That dramatically. You, actually, you don't actually think he should no, be. No, he was awesome. Back up the year. I definitely said that to you <laughs> as it happened. Do you think he deserves to be in there ahead of Harrison Petty? 
Very, very comfortably, yes. Really? Yes. Uh, I suppose it's tough with Penny because he's such a great forward as well that it's it's difficult to know where to slot him in. Yeah, so the person <laughs> he would be replacing is Talia. Yeah, Talia's... Yeah, I'm surprised Talia's in there. Yeah. I just... I'm staggered Talia's in there, to be honest. I wonder if they've just looked at some stats of, like, the player he plays on never kicks any goals against That's him. It probably absolutely is that, what but... he does. But he offers absolutely nothing in the intercept or in the... He offers no yeah. drive. Like he's a very one-dimensional player. He's a Presti in every sense of it. Which the, the requirements of being a defender have really changed mm. in recent years. You're expected to do more than that now. And, and he's very good at doing that. He's a yeah. very, very good player. You'd be absolutely happy to have him. But if you're picking an All-Australian, there are other players who seem to have I bigger I would not be influence. surprised if there was an Adelaide person on the All-Australian committee who might have pushed that one through. Very, in very Luke Darcy pushing. You're always, Will you Minson always think areas. there's a controversy going on in the All Australian. There absolutely is. There is so many, so many uh, <laughs> conflicts of interest at play. There are, but there are all over it the place. I do that Gil McLaughlin is on the team. Yeah, I find that a bit strange as well. Why he's not a football yeah. expert? I want. Yeah, I wonder how much in, how much input he actually has to the. Yeah, it might be ceremonial. Yeah, I hope it's ceremonial. Yeah, I do find that strange as well. But anyway, we both got the same number one, I believe. Uh, not sure. Tell me yours. Brad Hill is mine. I got Billy Gowers. Oh yeah. No, I mean he would have been in, but he got he got dropped a couple of times, and he just hasn't played quite enough footy. I just think he was so good, and really <laughs> held back to a point of being so humble about it that he should make this. Well, I, I still think he's a sniff of the brown though. So yeah, yeah, he did yeah. play a lot of three-vote games. No, seriously, Brad Hill is an absolute. <laughs> he's the only one where it's so obvious that he's not on the list. Yeah, that you go. What? I actually, yes, I am quite passionate about this one. He is easily the best winger in the competition. Yeah, he's so to, he's probably the most damaging midfielder in the competition. Full stop. The most damaging midfielder in the competition. I think so. Ooh, that is a real big callback. I think a lot of it is based on his role, and as a wingman, he's got more space and stuff like that. But he breaks lines better than any other midfielder in the competition. His delivery is very good. He, he picks off great targets all the time. I like he's an absolute jet. You agree with me on that? I, oh, absolutely. You know how much I love him. Yeah, I don't. I just you're not getting that much like damage from any other player if they're playing, and like what inside midfielder? really cuts a team up the same way Brad Hill does. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't say he's a more damaging footballer than like a Dangerfield or a Dustin Martin or someone like, like per that. Per possession he is. That's not really the, what you're saying, is it? You're saying he's the most... Da- he, I don't know, he damages an opposition more than any other midfielder in the competition. Is that what you're arguing? Or are you just saying he's kind of more efficient? No, no, like, I mean, his touches hurt more than any other midfielder in the competition. Yeah, I don't know. I, watch, watching Dusty on the weekend, I think. Yeah, but Dusty's had so many games this year where his ball use has been off. Like when they when he played Melbourne, you said he walked away, he had thirty touches. Yeah, he does have. And some it was just off like days. Yeah, yeah. Which, Whereas Brad Hill is just supreme. He's like Lewis Jetta playing on the wing. Yeah, I just there are just some roles where yeah, you need to find the best player for that role. And if you, you need to have a winger in the All Australian team, stop chucking bloody midfielders in there. He is so a winger. The he is the best it, winger. He should be a lock for the. He put, should be a lock for the team. They've put Andrew Gaff in as presumably a winger. Yes. He's played not. He's played more inside again this year. They've put McCluggage, McCluggage who has genuinely played, now. and I think they're talk, trying to shoehorn McRae in as a winger, which is not really what he is. No, no, he's not. I, I, look, I've loved McCluggage. I, I love McCluggage. He's had a great year, but Hill has been better than him. 
He has been. And yeah, I, he's, he's very, very stiff, Brad Hill. Very stiff. Yeah. Guys like Mitch Duncan and stuff as well were other wingers that didn't get a look in. It's really weird how little... Like, cause there are two wing spots in a team. You'd think you'd get four wingers nominated. You Just on average, given there's two key forwards yeah. and four key forwards nominated. And there just weren't. And it's... A little bizarre to me because not like it's an unimportant position, especially in this day of footy. Yeah, if, if they have like McRae and Gaff on the two wings, that that'll annoy me. Yeah, because they're not wingers. Neither of them are. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Hawthorne defeated West Coast by thirty-eight points in the probably the biggest upset of the round, yeah. and this just cooked West Coast season. Definitely the biggest upset of the round. My it was my first reaction to it. All I was thinking about was, oh damn, Hawthorne are a chance to make finals. I was all thinking about it from Hawthorne's perspective. Did and was, not realise. <laughs> yeah, it was only really the next morning when I had a look at the ladder, and I'm like, I think West Coast are the second best team, and I've mm. been certain they're going to be playing in a grand final yeah. for so long, and uh, it's going to be extremely hard for them now. Yeah. Extremely hard. Their loss meant that it was either Richmond or West Coast missing the top four, and I they were the best two teams in my mind yeah. getting into that round. It it's actually such a, a shocking loss. They had so much to play for. Hawthorne didn't. I just well, can't believe... Well, they did. Hawthorne was still a chance to make the eight. But an outside chance. They had nowhere near as much to play for as West Coast. It's a, it's, it's a real... At home for West Coast. I just can't believe West Coast lost it. Yeah, they... This is the definition of blowing a season yeah, in a game. It reminds me of Adelaide in 2016, who were second heading into the last round, lost, then were fifth. So you Pretty much the exact same yeah. situation. And it, yeah, for me, it just this just completely changes the complexion of me looking at the final series now. I think mm. we talked about last week having watched the Richmond West Coast game. I just thought of they are the two big dogs. Yeah. I expect we'll see a big battle from them, maybe in a prelim, maybe in the grand final. But that'll be that'll be what it comes down to. They're the two top seeds sort of playing off. Where now, as I've kind of been saying before at this point, I've, Richmond, I believe, are the best team. And then it's like... One of Collingwood or Geelong are going to be in the box seat, and then you've got like the wild card of Brisbane in there. And I don't know, maybe the dogs can it's, have a bit of fun. It's but, really open now. Yeah, like, I don't know how it's going to go because I still sort of, I still probably think West Coast is the second best team in the competition, but they just, yeah, they're cooked from circumstance now. Yeah, they just they just got beaten up around the ball, didn't they? They just yeah. When John's Jonathan Segler is tearing you to, apart. You're just, you're not having a good day. Yeah, yeah. And, and Hawthorne's midfield, as we've said all year, they do not have a good midfield. They definitely don't have a hard midfield. No. <laughs> that's for sure. They have Warple and that's about it as inside yeah. midfield. Shields. Yeah. And then it's guys like Wingard playing midfield who just are better on the outside than they are on the inside. It staggers me that they won this game. Is Hawthorne's midfielder going to midfield going to be good next year if they get? Uh, I know you've been going with this a little bit. Why have you decided to be positive about Hawthorne all of a sudden? Positive. I'm not. I never heard with you about I'm this. I'm anxious. You're you're stepping away from one of the plebs' big, bigger thesis. Like we we, we hate Hawthorne. We're meant to always be negative about Hawthorne. I right? agree, but if their midfield is Cornelio. Tom Mitchell, Warple, Isaac Smith, Liam Shields, Chad Wingard, Dom Scully. That's seven good names. And if Wingard and Scully are better with the season behind them. Well, out of them, the, the top end, I agree. I, there's a fair chance Isaac Smith's not going to be there from what I've heard. That's true, although and that then talk's cooled off a little bit. Scully, 
he's got better as the years gone on, oh, but I don't think he's much of a player. Wingard, I, from what they say, they're still probably hoping for him to be a forward. Uh, I think they've kind of been playing him in the midfield as, oh, we need to get him involved a bit. But I've heard Clarko talk about him as a forward. Philosophically, I would much rather have Wingard as a midfielder. I, I agree with you, but from what I've heard, that that's not the long-term plan for him. Yeah, so, maybe, well, if you look at their forward line, you do kind of understand it. Their forward line has very little. Mitch Lewis is by far the brightest light down there. Yeah, I, I just think... Bruce and Gunston are old. I, I do believe that Hawthorne are in this place now and they've been so good for so long and they just seem hell-bent on rebuilding as quickly as possible and just yeah. turning things around off just a few quick They're trying quick to do what fixes. Geelong did. Yeah. They're not going to get... Well, they might if Cornelio comes, but Geelong got so many, so many fluky things go their way that allowed them to stay top four, top eight consistently for that period of time. Dangerfield just wanting to come home. Tim Kelly coming from West Coast, you know, massively overperforming his um his draft position. Like they've had a lot of things go very right for them to get here. And Hawthorne haven't even had the shots in the draft to let that happen. They have no youth outside of Warple, Mitch Lewis, and does Sicily even count anymore? He's like twenty three. Probably not, no. He's probably just out of that bracket yeah. now. But um but yeah, do you think Cornelio would be enough to elevate them to being a like a top four team? I would say it's enough to be like, yeah, they're definitely a finals team. Yeah, look, I might, but I get, think them it's more than might get them to sixth. Yeah. And I, is, I, that what, is that what and you want? You rate Cornelio higher than I do, obviously, given how many times we've talked about yes. it. Yes, I mean, you still rate him very highly. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yes. But like, the only thing I can think of is there'd be a lot of people trying to do the same thing if Mitchell, Warble and Cornelio were in that side. So maybe that'd put a ceiling on their midfield but it be it's a very good midfield on paper and it does have me worried and I really hate it. I'm I'm coming quite big on this thing of I'm just not sold on the concept of the big fish working. Like I I've talked to you about no, this that's before. Probably fair. When you look at the last probably since 2000 there's been a lot of big fishes that have gone across and if you look go through all of the premiership teams there are n- none of them are the ones who they brought Buddy across didn't work. a superstar and then they want a flag. Like, yeah. like Judd is the biggest example we use as a big fish as someone who went to another team and made a big difference and to the other team. That didn't work. Nowhere near it. They were well off winning a premiership. If you look at the yeah, previous you teams... you talk about Hawthorne's trading, but they brought in secondary players. Their best players were all homegrown during that era. Yeah. Yeah, like, no. Yeah, the, the core of their Sean list were Burgoyne carried and Lake and Frawley were probably the best players. And Josh Gibson's actually the actual best of them. Yeah, but, that, but they didn't give up a lot. There wasn't that thing yeah. of, we'll give you a million dollars and a first-round yeah, draft it was pick. built off to, guy getting guys like David Hale, who is not great. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were getting sort of like B-graders from other teams and making them mm. important to them. That's the case with all of them. Geelong didn't really have any of them. No, uh, I say probably Otten. the best example we have of a premiership team doing that would be Tom Boyd, which is a... It's, it's yeah, own or Luke thing. Ball, who they drafted with pick 30. Yeah. And wasn't that important to yeah. them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't that seem to work That might be a discussion like for another day to yeah. actually hash it out. Anyway, Western Bulldogs defeated Adelaide by 34 points. I thought this game was going to be an absolute blowout, but Adelaide hung in there and weren't as embarrassing as they'd been the last few weeks. No, it doesn't look too embarrassing in the end, does it? But the way that the game played out and how the dogs just it was over utterly a time. slammed the it was door probably shut. probably over after 10 minutes, wasn't it? Pretty much. They, they are just... They're imposing They the are moment. so hot. They are so exciting. And Yeah, and when it played out, like it wasn't a massive win, but I think the thing which is really standing out for me at the Dogs at the moment is how much they're scoring. Like they're moving the ball so quickly. They're finding so much space in their forward they're probably, line. They're scoring better than they did in their premiership year. Yeah. Their and, premiership year, they were 
sixth or seventh highest scoring Even then, we were a bit worried about their ability to score. Yeah, but their last few weeks have been legitimately fearsome. They're moving the ball with so much ease. Their running patterns are just winding up with players free. And it's not the manic model they had in 2016. It just seems a lot easier for them these it, it days. Ha, it ha, does still have shades of that, I think. It does, but it's not this over-possession. No, is wrong because it worked for them, but this incredible amount of possession through handballs with an extra man at the stoppage and just like working it out it was there is a clear line from uh, from Bulldogs in 2016 to Richmond in 2017 I don't think there's a clear line tactically from Bulldogs 2016 to now wait how do you mean so like the handball development from dogs to Richmond I see and I kind of get it okay. take, took it to another level. Yeah, okay. But I don't really see that many tactical similarities what the Bulldogs are trying to do now. I think <sighs> they use, they're kicking it a lot a lot more and taking a lot more a lot more risk with their ball movement. It's just working so well. And it's, they're running so hard. I don't know. It's still feeding off the contest. And it's feeding off a, a way forward. Did you see the, the goal that they kicked you? They were on the boundary the line. And it was, one? yeah, Norton handballing yeah, to himself. <laughs> and then flicking the handball around. And then getting it in long to... I think it was Bailey Dale running back yeah. to space. It's just... That, that felt a lot like 2016 Bulldogs. That did. But everything else just seemed... Someone had worked so hard to find space on the wing or the half forward flank. Yeah, they're and spreading so hard. Yeah, and I think that's different. Their spread has just—they have a lot of unbelievably good runners, and they are using them now. They've got some real good kicks as well mm. off half back. They've got a lot of really good users of it. And like Bondempelli is probably the best user in the midfield in the entire league. Yeah, yeah. So that like that 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 could be the Bondempelli might actually be the most damaging player in the competition. Now that I think about it. Yeah, quite possibly. But the, the, <laughs> the, that's the way that they seem to be doing it now. Yeah, they have a lot of real good gut runners in the midfield who are finding space and then they're not missing them with their kicks. And they're, they're moving it forward with such precision. Like, I, I don't think... that well, We've said for quite a long time that we think Bebo has an issue with coaching a forward line. And that's the, the forward line seems to be working so well at the moment. Like, yeah, Bailey Dale's kicking bags. I don't know if it's so much the forward line. It's, it, it's just the way the that they're moving movement. it through and they just have so much space yeah, it's, to work it's actually in. probably closer to sort of Geelong 2000 that those great Geelong teams in that the forward line's not doing great it's just the supply is so good that they're scoring yes. bucket and it's, yeah it's just it's so quick and clinical and it's it's like this is this is the most exciting thing out of the round for me because I'm really excited to see what they could do in finals now I think I said last week that I won't learn anything about the Bulldogs from this game and I sort of kind of I, I just they're doing it every week at the moment. Every yeah, time but I turn felt, on all the I dogs are flogging him a quarter I think time I again. I felt this way last week. I'm yeah. so unbelievably impressed with their last month. That, well, they've won seven of eight or something, seven and nine. Like, that is significantly, yeah. that is a good period of form over a long period of time. Like, they are intimidating. For Adelaide, though, are they going to blow it up? Probably, yeah. I, I, is that the right call? It's... It, it just seems like a sick club to me, yeah. Adelaide. It, it, there is something not right going on there, and it feels like they need to strip a fair Did bit out of it. Did you hear what Rashido said? Not this week. <laughs> he said a few things. <laughs> he said, uh, have faith in the football department. We've got the, we're going to conduct a review, and we've got the right people conducting the review, and if you don't think that, go support another club, which I just find unbelievably arrogant. Like... Their, their club has done everything wrong for two straight years yeah. and his attitude is, if you don't like it, leave. And that, that staggers me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's just something off going on there. I, 
it's, it's been really hard to pick for a couple of years exactly what's going on with that footy yeah. club. But there's something not right. And I think that inevitably um, there are a lot of players who are going to go out through age and retirement. And then I think there's a few players who are going to be traded as well. And I think inevitably there's going to be a lot of changes made. And I feel like you mm. might as well just go the full shebang and strip it back and... Yeah, and you just get a, about start you again. get a head start. You've got Carlton's pick. Like it, it's they're in a good position to start this year with a rebuild. Yeah, it's normally so you get the only thing how good they were a couple of years ago. But I don't know. There's yeah, there's just there's there's just a stink throughout that club, which I think they just need to get yeah, rid of. They need a yeah. They need it. I can't think of the word. What's it when you like put heat on a wound to stop the bleeding? Cauterize, yeah. cauterize the wound. Yeah, all right, Banjo. I was, I was worried how long we were going to be waiting for you to spit that out. But look, Banjo, we were saying before that the Bulldogs are a little bit scary in the way they're playing at the moment. Oh yeah, let's but talk you, about the scariest team you know, in the you know, No, 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 oh, no. Oh, sorry. You know what makes the Bulldogs more scary, Banjo? It's time for Billy Gower's watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. Billy. Can't believe I nearly moved on without having this segment, and we've actually got stuff to talk about this the, week. Yeah, this is actually an exciting Billy Gowers watch. Finally, mate, he, he's back. He has hit form. Listen to his stats out of the VFL this week, Banjo. He had 13 kicks, 13 oh. handballs, oh. five marks, two oh. tackles, oh. and he kicked three goals for. Oh. Legitimately, seven shots on goal, 26 touches for a high half forward. What is Bailey Dale doing in the team? Get him out. Get Billy back. He's yeah. been their secret Why weapon. Why would you want five goals when you could have three goals for? I reckon they, they must they must still be hiding him though because he was only named second in their best. I still think yeah. that they're hoping people have forgotten about. I'm a Billy. little worried though. There is a downside. He did get reported. <laughs> so yes, look, look the dark part of his week. Look, he's getting a bit frustrated, Banjo. He also gave seven, seven free kicks <laughs> away. <laughs> And yeah, he got reported for a dangerous tackle. Those so, are, that's Shane Mumford areas. But you know, we're not going to hear about this. If he gets suspended, we're not, or whether or not he gets suspended, we're not going to hear about it because the dogs are burying all these Billy mm. Gower stories down. I don't think we're going to know until selection. Um, and they'll, if, he's, if he so has been... I have been, a question for you. If he's been let go, I think he will be picked for Is first Billy final. Gowers so confident that the Bulldogs can win week one of finals without him that he's timing his run for week two to fully maximise his use as a secret weapon? I hope not. I expect that they can unleash him for the yeah, first Yeah, just because we like watching him. We just want to see him Imagine him, him working in this forward line that's got oh. space now, mate. He'd be kicking 12 goals a week oh. if he kicks straight and late run seven free Coleman kicks away. After the... After the season's over and the medal's been decided. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so excited to see Billy work in this forward line. He's definitely going to get picked, surely. He had 26 and seven shots on goal. What's Will Hayes doing in the team? Say, I know Riley. Riley West. Yeah. Who cares who his dad is? Sam Lloyd. <laughs> None of them have been any good. Get Billy back. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's talk about the most intimidating team in the competition and yeah. the biggest game of the week. Richmond defeated Brisbane by 27 points. Oh, that was that was fearsome. Yeah, I found this a little bit frightening and extremely convincing is mm. when I found this performance by Richmond. There was a patch of about 15 minutes in the third quarter where it properly felt like Brisbane were back in the game and, and they were control. they were a chance to really put the foot down and make it a real game. But outside of that, 
it was just completely on Richmond's turns for the yeah. entire game. I don't game. feel like 27 points I agree, feels yeah. reflective of how much better Richmond were, yeah. which is unbelievable because Brisbane smashed them in contested possession, smashed them in clearances, and had more tackles inside 50, more marks. They pretty much won every metric you would look at to indicate who was playing better, except Richmond's ball movement was just so precise in their... Their running was so precise. They they always seem out as soon as they won a contest. Every time the ball went their way, it looked like they had so many options. And to be honest, they fucked it up a fair few times. Tom Lynch tried to take a mark and spilled it over the goal line instead of just letting the ball go through. Yeah, Castagna they, they did fuck handballed the ball yeah. through for a behind, trying to hit Tom Lynch, and he missed. Like, there were a lot of moments where Brisbane really could have capitalised, and they didn't. And... Brisbane have to play a lot better if they want to win yeah. first week of finals. I, I think the thing that makes it the scariest and the most worrying for me is what you were saying. Like Brisbane brought the effort really good in the contest and the clearances. Their best players played well. Their prime movers all performed and watching the game, they were a, they were a step below. And yeah. I, I just think it's when, I, when you watch Richmond from the top of the G is when you really see how good they are. When I yeah. think about what I'm going to remember of this Richmond team. It's, I mean, firstly, their defensive systems are unbelievable. Yeah. But the second thing is they're just, they're just geniuses around the contest in mm. that they always seem to have the perfect amount of numbers going at the ball to win the contest whilst always having players on the outside and players on the overlap. And, and just they every time always know where their teammates are going to be. Yeah. They are so well drilled that they know what angles their teammates are going to, going to run to. They'll just be like handballs to space. Like they'll win the contest mm. and it'll just be like two quick handballs, one to space, and there'll be someone on the outside, someone hitting up on a lead, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, they're going to keep And you know it's here. not making decisions by looking at what's going on because there's the occasional moment where they do just wildly handball it, you know, what seems like a random direction yeah. and no one's there. But that's because there normally is someone there and it works so often. And even when there's not someone there, there's someone about to pressure the player that gets the ball. They are just... They unbelievably have, in sync with each other. Yeah, they have such a system going. As we we kind of said during the game, like although I rate Damien Hardwick extremely highly as a coach, like mm. does he get underrated? How important I think he, he is? absolutely is underrated. No one else in the league plays like Richmond do. Richmond have been the best side in the league, best two sides in the league for three years. Yep. Normally, when someone's the best side in the league, they get copied. No one's been able to do it. Yeah. I, no I, one, like... I feel like some teams have tried, but they just have not been I able was, to create I it I was listening to a rival podcast, and they were <laughs> going through who has most meter gains by handball. And that's not a particularly lightning set, other than the fact that Richmond's game plan is built on handball in the ball forward. Yeah, it shows style. Yeah. yeah. And they are 200 meters per game or something ahead of the next best team, which yeah. is Melbourne, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> we do love handballing. Uh, and it's just, no one comes close to matching what they're doing. And I, I think that's a testament to how hard it is to play the way they do and how well-drilled they are and that a lot of it goes to Hardwick. Because, like, they turn so many players into good players, but how many stars do they have? No, not a lot. They never really have. No. I mean, they, they've always just been able to lock down on Dusty, Cochin, and then, Rance before this year, Revolt. It's yeah. always been kind of where it sits. But that's a lot less than the really good teams that we've seen. Yeah. They have some... Although, yeah, those best teams They're have a lot of depth. a lot better. 
like they're going with a significantly more even spread than the premiership teams we're used to. Yeah. Like they have less stars than West Coast last year. Yep. Like um, probably by three or four. And they, they just seem to, every player just knows their role and they make everyone useful. Mm. Everyone in that team is useful for some reason. He, like players like I don't I don't know if Liam Baker's a particularly good footballer, but he just he, no, but he looks really he plays good. <laughs> really well for Richmond because he just fits into their system. Um, speaking of scary though, like Dust is is back. Like he that the way he's that was played the, best the last game I've seen him play in a while. Yeah, and it wasn't like he racked the ball up more than no. he has in a while. He just every single touch was just looked like he was taking the piss. To be honest, he he had three touches in the first quarter. One he streams out of a centre clearance, kicks it from sixty for a goal, and the next two he just hits Jack Rewall yeah. on a straight line lead on the tit, and there's nothing Marcus Adams can do about it. Just he was so precise. It felt like that first qualifying mm. final in 2016 against uh, Geelong. Yeah. Where it, there was just a patch in that quarter. Where just said, every time the ball went near him, he would just yeah. set, set up a goal. That first quarter, he was like, I'm the best player on the field and look at me. <laughs> That's just he, what it felt he, like. He was the best player on the ground. He had less than half the disposals of Lockie Neal, but he, he was the best player. He had 30 less touches nearly. Yeah, yeah. But, and the goals he kicked were goals only he would kick. Yeah. Stream, no one else in Richmond's going to stream out of a centre clearance like that. No one else in Richmond is going to shrug. Um, honestly, maybe Josh Caddy's the only one who could have kicked his second goal. It just... It, they were, I don't have enough words to describe how <laughs> it's, well. it's a bit upsetting, Dusty isn't it? There's just so many shades of yeah. 2016 Richmond. It just... Just getting fatalistic again about it. It's, it yeah, makes me it miserable. made me think I missed when we. I thought we were going to get him. <laughs> I I did come out of this game thinking, like I just can't see Brisbane beating him in that first final. I, I they just look so much a better team. Yeah, and like it's at the Gabba. I'm hoping Brisbane didn't show everything tactically in some sort of ruse, given they'd sewn up a top two spot. Reaching, I reckon. I know I'm reaching, but let a man believe. Yeah. Let a man wish. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Let's get to Poochie's mailbag. Uh, I'll take us away. And on trend and on yeah. theme, did Lockie Neal have the worst 51 disposal game in history? Nah, nah. Tom Lynch's one when Buck said he had no influence. So the question uh, what did I say? No, exact, Tom Mitchell's one. <laughs> was that exactly 51 disposals? Uh, I don't know. How many games would there be in history where someone's had exactly 51 disposals? I think maybe two or three. I assumed Poochie meant 51 or more. Surely that's what he meant by this question. Which, if that is what he meant, I would say that Lockie Neal's was better than Tom Mitchell's game from a couple of years ago. Lockie Neal isn't, he isn't super noticeable, but the thing is he never wastes a disposal. He's not like... He's an incredibly good handballer, but not in the way that... That was that, the like, second ever 51 disposal game. Scott Thompson, 2011 versus the Gold Coast was the other one. Nah, this was probably better than that, even though I don't remember that one. Uh, but no, as I was saying, he's not like Clayton <laughs> Oliver and, or Marcus Bontempelli in that he seems like freakish with his handball. Like yeah, he's he, not he, flashy with the way he does things. It's standard handballs, but he always hits a target and he always finds space for his teammates around him. He, he, just, he never wastes. Every disposal mm. feels like there was a purpose to what he was doing. So... Although I Except thought Dusty... Except for the last quarter where it was entirely junky. Yes, yes, he did get a bit junky towards the end, yes. But although I did think Dusty was the best player on the ground, I thought Dusty was unbelievably good. Lockie Neal had a very, very good game. It might not be, you know, 51. He had any influences if he had 35. So yeah. that's still a damn good game. Yeah, that's true. Dusty had influences if he had 40. Okay, next up. 
Banjo, this is my favourite question out of Poochie's mailbag this week. How good is Jeremy Cameron winning the Coleman? I hate football. Is the worst thing about the entire year for not me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to do it. I thought Ben Brown was absolutely going to vulture the Coleman. And then Jeremy Cameron <laughs> vultures it right back. Like I, I do have to let our listeners in on it. You were genuinely, absolutely cut up on Saturday night. Yeah, you were fuming. Yeah, and you, you like how much did you want to punch me in the face? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot. And, and there's a reason think, I didn't look at you. To think that your team beat my team on that day, and you were <laughs> so much happier. It's <laughs> fucked. Uh, it was great the way it happened. Anyway, we're moving on. Our <laughs> West Coast cooked for finishing outside the top four. Not completely. I'm not completely ruling them out. Do no. they go from a 20% chance of winning the grand final, maybe higher, to like a 5% chance though? Look, I don't know what figures I'm going to give it. Uh, Banjo. Like it does I, become a lot. Higher. I haven't. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, just, I will the, say that. Mate. That was the point I was trying to make. <laughs> well, what are they going to have to do? Like they're obviously going to smash S in the first. Yeah, final. so they do get a bye. And then who would they play in the semi? I don't know. Someone pretty good. Like, yeah, it, just, yeah. it always makes it tough coming from out of the eight. But, you know, it's happened once before. And West Coast are probably a better team than the Dogs were. That's true. 2016. That's true. But are they in better form? Probably not. No, probably not. But, look, I haven't completely ruled them out. But it does make it significantly more difficult. Banjo, is the Bont not being suspended last week one of the worst MRO decisions? I don't. Probably not one of the worst decisions. It is Probably the worst misuse of process since Basha Hooli got character <laughs> references from Malcolm Turnbull. Which like, wasn't that long ago. But no. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's like in a year. Ah, and we've had a new prime minister since then. <laughs> yeah. He broke Nick Haynes' larynx with a high bump and they didn't wait for the medical report before deciding what the punishment was. What they, was the reason for that? Was it just because it was like... It's it was a Saturday game and they, they did it on a Sunday. That's pretty bad. Like yeah, because it was the you know how you used to have to wait, and yeah, then they changed that. They're so obsessed at the moment with making it quick. Just, yeah, just which bloody is bloody get it wrong. Why does it matter how quick it takes? Yeah, that's been really well received. The fact that they're doing it quickly. Yeah, because the I media really likes care. instant gratification. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I do it all on Monday and get it right. Like that's yeah, much more just, important. But I have the same issues with the. Uh, DRS, what do they call it? The, oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the video referee, whatever it is. I have the same issues with that. I'm like, just get it right. I don't care if it takes a bit longer. Like, yeah, it absolutely does not matter if it takes an extra 20 seconds. But yeah, that was just... I think the decision was wrong. I think he should have got suspended, which would have sucked. He's had a fantastic year and not seeing him eligible for the Brownlow would have been... Yeah. It would have made it for a less interesting night. And I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating Brownlow counts we've had mm. in a while. Oh, it's going to be great, yeah. But he should have been suspended for it. He broke a guy's larynx with a high... Bump, and now the guy's out for a month. Has that ever happened before? Broken a larynx? No idea, but we've also had two ruptured <laughs> testicles this year, so yeah, I'm that's, not ruling that's been a weird year. Out. Yeah. Uh, final question uh, from your favourite man, Dan Crowley: Do we need a royal commission to get to the bottom of Daniel Rich being left out of the All Australian squad, or is a Senate inquiry enough? Look, well, I'm going to largely refer to my top five. <laughs> I do not think I he was... I don't think he'll be too popular. I don't think he was uh, one of the stiffest to miss out. So I don't think we should get any sort of Royal Commission. You know, I'm going to add another layer on top of this, Banjo. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the stiffest one to miss out was Brad Hill. You know who he should have been in instead of? 
Humor cluggage, so get stuffed. Dan Crowley, you, you can get stuffed. Should have been. A, That's yeah, my head. answer. Yeah. <laughs> I met uh, Dan Crowley. You did. You did. And your what, uh, Sunday. Your comment was he's a lot less of a troll in real life, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't that hard to be no, honest with you. No, it's a very low bar for him to be less of a troll. Uh, but that finishes up Banjo with an absolutely terrible question off battle situations with unexpected handicaps, getting really, really close to that battle. Yeah, we're Do we have need enough? After this, we've got three left. No, no we, we don't, don't have enough. So we're going to have to find a new... We're going to have to use Poochie's crap ones. Oh, yeah. They'll probably still be better than this rubbish. But you said out of the crap ones, this was the one you wanted to answer mm-hmm. the most. So here you go, Banjo. Crazy Frog versus Fredo the Frog versus Kermit the Frog. The reason I wanted to answer this one, if I'm going to do a crap battle situation, I want to be able to answer it in about three seconds. And the answer is Crazy Frog <laughs> because that guy is... Crazy. He would fuck <laughs> would, them up. He would destroy them. It is them. not a contest at all. Fredo Frog is literally a he's, Fredo. He's made of chocolate. Yeah. And Kermit <laughs> is literally a Muppet. <laughs> Crazy Frog's entire thing is that he's like a wild bandit. Yeah. Like, I remember the video clip. It was insane. And was the, it like an action The show? other two would be... I mean, I know frogs aren't thought of as being the, the toughest animals going no, around. No, they're not even poisonous but, frogs. But these would be the softest version of a frog you can yeah. find. Like, they, they're pathetic. Yeah, it it would be the embarrassing. Fredo frog instead of the chocolate, still a very soft frog. No, I'm going to assume it's just a piece of chocolate and then a Muppet. Okay. <laughs> With One a really question that might voice. put Fredo frog in favour. Can frogs digest chocolate? Because it could be <laughs> like dogs. But he's still got no chance of winning, even if that's but the case. But he could be like a puffer fish and it's not inanimate. lose. <laughs> he could be like a puffer fish and not lose. Which I think but would I be would pretty But I would still impressive. say Crazy Frog wins if it's just running around and, you know, Fred of the Frog's just sitting there. And then, I don't know. But yeah, Crazy, crazy Frog, frog can just give it, it to, a, to a human to eat or something. I don't know. But of course, Crazy Frog's not going to share. What are you <laughs> of talking course, about? Crazy Frog's going to win. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.